There's something special about the fair. I don't know how to explain it. It's like when you walk through those gates, something happens to us, like from the smell, the sound, just the feel. Everything about a fair is just fun. Maybe because you know you're about to have the best food. Welcome to the catch-up. Introducing your hosts, Eli Aruth, editor and... Jeffrey Kutnick, CEO, and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously. Of the craziest, most bestest, news-breaking, food-porn-peddling, viral website on the dot-coms. It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy! There's not one person in this entire world that believes you. All right. And welcome to the catch-up. Oh my goodness, guys. Welcome. Oh, we don't even need to start with the welcome. Because it's fair season. It's fair season across the country, which makes me very, very giddy. I love everything about the fair, the pig races. I love monster trucks. I love uh, hay fever after sitting on the hay. I drink a lot of beer at the fair. That's they have a lot of hay fever is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep going. Rickety rides. I love uh, fearing death. And of course, here at Food Beast, we love all the fried food, which is a perfect segue. Our guest today is Chicken Charlie. He's the undisputed deep frying king. If you've been to a fair in the past couple decades, this dude has shaped your food experience. My man. He's My man. crazy. In 2001, he debuted deep fried Twinkies at the LA County Fair. I feel like that's when people were shook. They were in shock and awe. They were disgusted by it. They were also <laughs> ultimately very pleasured by the deep fried Twinkie. And every year after that, Charlie took it upon himself to give fairgoers something new to talk about. Deep fried Oreos, deep fried avocados, deep fried Kool-Aid, Krispy Kreme donut sandwiches. You even deep fried a shoe on yes, late I night did. TV. <laughs> yes, I did. Now, Chicken Charlie's <laughs> Empire does over $10 million in sales. He has 300 employees. Damn. It's insane. And you are by far the biggest food presence at California fairs. You have stands in Orange County, Los Angeles, Big Fresno Fair, San Diego County Fair. You also have restaurants in San Diego. You have dreams of opening across the country, including, I know you want to open in the Las Vegas Strip one day. Charlie, welcome to the podcast. Thank bro. you for having me, guys. This is Chicken too cool. Charlie. Chicken, this is this is, the man. this is the man in our in our house right Dude, now. I love being here. This I'm is, I'm Food Beast's biggest fan. This is awesome. You guys are the best. We have a lot of energy on our podcast, but having someone that we've covered for our entire like throughout our entire existence. That's next level for me, Eli. That's just this awesome. is like crazy. If this was a music podcast and Drake was on. This is who walked into our studio right I now. Like it. this is this is us in food. I appreciate you, Charlie. Dude, I'm so honored to be here. I'm a huge fan, and you guys are doing an amazing job too. I'm a I'm a big follower, and I love what Food Beast is doing. 
Dude, I have so many, just so many moments and stories with you, Charlie. Like, it's crazy. I don't even remember yeah, the Yeah, we fr- do go way back. Way we, back. We've fried a few things in the past decade. <laughs> we'll go completely out of order. There was one time where our whole team went to the fair. It was actually like a branded deal that we were doing. And we had this medicine. I don't even want to name the medicine anymore, but it's powder. Something for heartburn. Heartburn. In your stomach. <laughs> Perfect for food bees, perfect for the fair. So we went to the fair. We're ordering all the food, every food we can get our hands on. And of course, we end up at Charlie's booth. (laughs) And And we're a little anxious because we're like, Charlie, by the way, part of the shoot's a little this branded deal we're doing and like we have this medicine we're not associating it with like your product specifically but we have it (laughs) and your eyes just light up because you don't give a fuck about (laughs) what we're doing and you're just like let's fry the medicine (laughs) and that to me i was just like yo this guy's for real yeah let's fry the medicine you know the best part i wasn't even high (laughs) i was sober i remember that day clearly that was fun and it was delicious it was good actually it tasted like candy tasted like candy you you went straight in the mode of yeah this is how we would fry a powder and eli and i are looking at each other like what do you how do you fry something that's already a powder and the and the wheels in your head, you could tell just were already turning. And that's what was amazing to me because although members of the staff had interacted with you, Charlie, a bunch of times, this was my first major interaction. Right on. And so that was that was unreal. Immediately, let's fry the medicine. And by the way, it tasted pretty good. You're, you're also, we're going to get to your origin in a second, but just to get the idea of what Charlie looks and feels in the aura is I think that same day for some reason or other Charlie's like hey step into my office so we're in the fairgrounds and there's this giant Charlie's boots are giant I don't know how tall 40 feet in the air I don't know I never measured <laughs> <laughs> he's like it's just rickety I have to take it out of the truck every damn month um, and he's like step into my office and so me I think Pete was there a few of us we look at each other like where's this dude's office where's the fair <laughs> and so we walk behind the giant facade there are crates of like pineapple shells just <laughs> towering above us we're walking through a field and he has this makeshift throne just made from like everything that he's fried in the back like he's sitting on obviously none of this was actual food it's like the carcasses of it so like the uh, the old avocado boxes boxes of twinkies that ha- that like have been used and he just sits on his throne and we just chop it up i was like aren't you busy but he makes it feels like you find this weird ability to make time for everyone you had no idea who we were you're just like talking and hanging out no i love what i do i mean when you're having fun at what you do you know it's like you can't get enough of it and when i met you guys long long time ago when i first met you guys i was having a blast i I remember uh you we wanted to fry everything yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, that we, sounds like us. Our goals sounds- aligned back then. Our goals aligned, which yeah. is great. We're, so I, we got an. I gotta know where where it all started. I mean, were you into food as a young boy? Or I mean, I always loved food. I was always a chunky monkey kid. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say like I'm. I mean, I'm fat now, but I wouldn't say growing up I was like. What, what are they? They'll call me obese now for sure, but. But they when call I was, me obese so good. Well, because I think anything over like 151 pounds or something, but I'm 300. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but when I was growing up, I wasn't I wasn't that fat. I was a little chunky, and I loved to eat. But I but I learned how to cook from my mother, and I learned how to fry from her. Mm. 
and then when I was growing up, all I ever wanted to be was a police officer. Really? So yeah. So I never thought about cooking for a living, but I loved to eat, and, and I loved everything to do with food, and I loved learning how to cook, and but I wanted to be a cop. So I went to Miramar College in San Diego, got an AA degree in pre-law. I went to San Diego State, got a criminal justice degree. Wow. Uh, I think I one of them I graduated with honors, with honors. I had a really good time at school, and I wanted nothing more than to be in law enforcement. The year I graduated was 1995, and this lady at the fair that knew me for a long, for many years, I worked at the fair for 12 summers while I was in school, working for a gentleman by the name of Bob Jackson. He sold charboy corn. Wow. So he's still there. He's He does the Orange County Fair, the San Diego Fair. So when I graduated, I told Bob that I was not going to work fairs no more because now I'm going to be a police officer. And... That same time, that same year, this lady walked up to me and said, Charlie, buy my chicken stand. I said, okay. I bought it. I changed the name from Broasted Chicken to Chicken Charlie's, and that was it. I was 1995, and that was the end of law enforcement for me wow. and the beginning of crazy, crazy fried food business. What was the <laughs> What was the first menu at Chicken Charlie's like right after you bought that stand? Yeah, so the, so the very first thing... Was she had broasted chicken, which is kind of fried chicken done under pressure with JoJo's and chicken nuggets, chicken strips. And I thought the first year I did it, it was so boring. And I'm just sitting there with my fried chicken and French fries. And I thought, I got to do something fun because I want you to come to the fair and try something fun. And this chicken, even though it was delicious, it was kind of boring. So one day I was at McDonald's having an apple pie and a Big Mac, like my favorite meal on earth, <laughs> the apple pie. And I thought, let's get a dessert. We're missing a dessert. Through that, I created deep fried Oreo cookies. What? That was that early? It was, yeah, it was, it was uh, like in 98, a couple of years after I bought the business. And the very first thing I changed the menu on the menu was a deep fried vegetable dish. I learned how to fry from mom eggplants, artichoke hearts, zucchini, and mushrooms. And I called it a veggie combo, and it was our number one seller. It sold more than the chicken. It was amazing. Wow. The very next thing was garlic chicken strips and garlic chicken nuggets and garlic fries. Basically, because we're Middle Eastern, we love garlic. We added garlic to the whole menu. It's so a healthy you seasoning. Go, throw that back, Charlie. That, <laughs> yeah. that garlic chicken nuggets, let's do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm That's ready. not on your menu anymore, is it? No, it's not. But oh. it's basically fresh garlic, diced, rough cut with fresh parsley, salt, good olive oil. And you fry your nuggets and you toss them with that heavy, heavy on the garlic. I'm so and turned on right now. Yeah. This food Throw that back, Charlie. Throw that back. <laughs> so so I, I had a I really enjoyed the veggie combo dish and I really enjoyed the garlic stuff. When I came up with the sweet though, the deep fried Oreos, that changed my life. Because it's like I had reporters ask me. Everybody was tripping out on how delicious it was. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was amazing because I ate it regularly. But <laughs> when, the pe- when the people tried it, it was, I couldn't believe the publicity, the interviews, the craziness that happened with that invention. It was amazing. I mean, I, I'm always a fan. So you're, you're sitting at McDonald's eating their deep fried apple pie at the time it was deep fried. Yeah. So, and- so what happened is I go from McDonald's to 7-Eleven, go to the hostess rack, pick up a piece of everything because I'm thinking sweets, right? And I'm at 7-Eleven all the time eating that hostess rack. Yeah. So I buy all the stuff, go home, fry it all up. And my brother had a box of Oreos. Wasn't even one of the items I bought. 
And and I said, let me try that too. We tried that and we picked that out of all, you know, ding-dongs and all the other items that are on the hostess rack. We fried them all. The, the Oreo cookie that he had tasted the best to me at that time. And we made a decision not to come out with more than one. We don't want to com- complicate sure. issues at that time. We just said one item, Oreo cookies we picked, and that was it. We came out with it. Was there something about the look of the Oreo cookie that worked better than you tried? You said you tried Ding Dongs. You tried the Hostess rack. Yeah. I just, I think I liked the, the fact that the cream inside stayed intact. The mm. pancake batter that I made to dip it in was like an amazing cake around mm. it. The cookie itself lost a little bit of its crunch, but still had some of the crunch still in there. Well, the crunch also came on the outside too. I've had it a few it, times. It and came it, on the outside, yeah. yeah. And, and one of the things I liked about that as opposed to a ding-dong, it's hard to serve four or five ding-dongs in an order. What I liked about the Oreo cookie was you could serve four or five pieces in an order and it was shareable for a family. So wow. if you and your wife, your kids came, you could just buy one order and you all can try it out. And some of the other hostess stuff, you would have to fry. A f- a few, if I was trying to accomplish the same thing, you'd have to fry more, but... The Oreo cookie was a really good one, I think, at the beginning. It's probably my best one yet. Was 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 Chicken Charlie's always a smashing success? So you said you worked for 12 years at the fair, someone else's stand. You bought this, the chicken place, turned that into Chicken Charlie's, and you had a couple I, years before you had your big, booming fried Oreo. I wouldn't say it was a smashing success. I'd say there was a lot of hours. I mean, I worked, to this day, I still put in 15 to 18 hours a day average. So it's a lot of work. Um, I surrounded myself with a lot of great people, and I'm blessed. I have, you know, God made us resilient. So mm-hmm. if we maximize the things that God gave us, we could usually do great things with it. Um, I've made good decisions in my days, trying to be honest and decent. For the most part, it's not. It wasn't an easy road. It's it's been a when you're self-employed and you own your own business and and you know there's really no. You have to really believe in yourself and you got to really believe in what you're doing and and you got to use all the resources that you have, everything that is around you and make the best decisions. But I don't think it was easy. So those two years or the years that you worked to, I'm saying you're saving money. What did you like about those 12 years you were doing at the fair? Because that's where I, I, I enjoy yeah. your energy. It seems like you just enjoy festival and carnival there, culture. There's something special about the fair. I don't know how to explain it. It's like when you walk through those gates, something happens to us, like from the smell, the sound, just the feel. Everything about a fair is just fun. Maybe because you know you're about to have the best food or you're about to, you know, get into some really cool entertainment or see some nits and nats that you don't normally see. Like I like flea markets, you know. So like mm-hmm. when you go to flea markets, there's always these little cool little gadgets and gadgets. It's at the fair too. So I think the fair is a very, very special place. And the years I worked for Bob Jackson selling charcoal corn, the first year when I did it, the second year, I couldn't wait to go back to work. To yeah. sell corn. I was like so excited about the following year coming around, the fair coming back. And it was at San Diego. It was a San Diego County Fair. I, could, I was counting the days to go back there. I had another job. I, I was 14 years old. I worked at my dad's grocery store. And, and I was doing fine, but I was counting the days to the fair coming back in town. And as the years went, my duties at that job grew. 
And before you know it, I was buying produce for the guy. I was um, getting him help. I was finding people to work there. Hmm. And I was um, doing uh, media relations events with the charboy corn. Uh, I was doing a lot of things that I truly enjoyed. And I, unconsciously, it was there. I didn't know this was happening. And then at the same time, I wanted to be a police officer. I wanted to be, I wanted to help get rid of crime and I wanted to you know help be a good citizen and help people but when the when the moment of truth came I knew food was the place for me that's pretty that's pretty magical so that was the tipping and then you went there that's crazy well so for and you described that first media wave that you had with the Oreo did something click in your brain as it related to food is marketing and I'm going to ride this roller coaster. So looking at all the success, I'm assuming both from a media standpoint and a sales standpoint, was that just Chicken Charlie's going to have revolving items every year? Is so, that what where so that started? I have to tell you like a little story before I get to that. I grew up very poor in Syria, Damascus, Syria. So we're Christians from Syria. It's a small percentage of the population. And, um, and when we came to America, we were very poor. And when you're selling deep fried Oreos at the fair, people are buying them. If they're good, you know, people are buying them. So we were, you know, we were doing good financially. When you're a hungry young man and you get a little taste of success like that, it makes every ounce of blood, water, juice in your body flow and makes you start to think about, you know, the future. When they say, you're, you know, the, America, the American dream, the American dream exists. And I'm living the American dream because I remember days when I was like, man, I want to do so well. I want my business to grow. I want to sell a million cookies. You know, now I've sold four million cookies, I think, Damn. Uh, at least. So, so I wanted so much more. I got a taste of success and I wanted so much more. But the best part was when people eat it and come back and say, that was delicious. You know, you hit a home run. You know, because we can all cook, we can all, but if for someone to walk back out of their way and tell you, hey, dude, that was amazing. That's killer right there. And that's when I knew, like, I had to, like you said, take that torch and keep flying with it. How? <clears throat> and it's so hard to continue <laughs> this. Yeah. As now we know, like, you know, so every time I think of something new, I have to Google it. And I'm, the first thing on my mind is Food Beast probably done this already. <laughs> <laughs> Let me check Food Beast out and see if they've done this, you know. I so, haven't done that to fried dirt yet. So we thought of that today. Yeah, this is fried dirt. <laughs> I bet you somebody's done that. But it's funny the because. The exclusive yeah, fried dirt. Because, you know, I'm talking 20 years ago. If you come up with a really cool idea like bacon wrap pickle like I did, you know, and you go Google back, you know, bacon wrap pickle, you'll see a sandwich with pickle and bacon in it. And it's in the images part of Google, you know. Yeah. It's not bacon wrap, pickle, deep fried, and batter. Nowadays, when you say something, it's like there's 15 ways from Sunday it's been done. Yeah. So having said that, it's so friggin' hard to try to come up with something that will make you go wow. Outside of the Oreo, what were some of what are some of your favorites, both from an innovation side, and then some of your favorites just they just tasted the best. Yeah, some of the big ones were deep fried Kool Aid. Uh, Kool-Aid tasted Kool great. Yeah. Kool-Aid tasted really good. I think that was the marvel of your things, in my opinion, because 
it's hard to say any of them tasted bad. Everything that made your menu at the end of the day was deep fried something that you already enjoyed. I think that's kind of the magic. The Kool-Aid was kind of how the hell do you fry it? Yeah. Like, what, how? That's right. That's how? right. Even people always say, how do you do that? And, and, and you know, like the, the, I'll never forget when we opened the fair with that. I got, so we're doing media events the morning of the fair when it opens. All the TV stations come out, the local TV stations. Well, on that year, on that morning, I was getting phone calls from like, China, I'm not kidding, Chinese newspapers from China. They were calling me, asking me questions about the product. Japan, I did an Australian TV show while I was on, they had my picture on the TV and I was on the phone with them. I, I did, I got on uh, Good Morning America that morning and we uh, through satellite uh i did fox and friend we, i was on oh that morning was crazy <laughs> it was crazy i remember at the la county fair the same year there was vans and vans lined up in my booth in the middle of the fair when the fair was open oh wow and my scary. family and my employees were all like dude there's like customers trying to buy this stuff all around the van the vans were not even supposed to be Oh, that's on dangerous. The fairgrounds. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't like they were moving or dangerous, but it just you, it was out of place. Yeah, you know, and it was so cool. Um, the year I invented the Krispy Kreme chicken sandwich, I remember my my friends telling me, "You're not going to sell a single one. Who the heck would want chicken and a donut in the same bite?" Well, that was a really big success. They were, <laughs> yeah, the first day I sold like 500 sandwiches. Wow! And the media again was crazy. But who knew 10 years later, 12, 13 years later, I was going to add ice cream to that. And a couple of years ago, when we came up with the ice cream chicken Krispy Kreme sandwich, we sold an obnoxious amount of that. So that was really cool, too, because I was telling my mom, mom, chicken, ice cream and a donut all in the same bite. She goes, you're crazy. You're like, cool, it's on the menu. <laughs> it's on the menu. <laughs> uh, so how much pressure do you, have, do you feel year after year creatively? Oh, and then how do you how do you do it? That's a great question. There's so much pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you want, I'm living the American dream and you want to do good. You want to do better. We always want to do better. And when you come up with something like fried Kool-Aid, like the following year, I think we did deep fried cereal. And it was kind of a let down joke. I mean, huh. it was delicious and we sold a lot of it and, and everybody talked about it. But to me... There's a huge difference between the fried Kool-Aid and the fried cereal. Um, the Why? Year What's the difference? To me? Yeah. Um, deep fried cereal is kind of like a bar. Okay, if I broke it down like this, how my mind works. So it's like a, a cereal bar dipped in batter and fried. Or if you took cereal out of a box, made a ball out of them, dipped them in batter and fried them. Deep fried Kool-Aid, you have no idea what the heck I'm doing. Yeah, that's right? true. Because like Eli said, you know, how do you do it? Yeah, so that was really big. But the year I did deep fried Slim Fast Bar, which was after that, that was the best. Brilliant! <laughs> yeah, so that was that one made me laugh brilliant. out loud. Yeah, it's, just yeah. like, it's just funny. That one was so funny. Yeah. So even though it was easy to fry, deep fried Slim Fast Bar. Are you kidding? What the heck is that? That's like stupid. <laughs> so you get do you get reached out to by Hostess or by these brands? Is there weirdly is, enough no? Nobody. So no, you're buying no, all this stuff no. retail? Almost? I'm buying like, it all retail. So the Krispy Kreme store close to each fair <laughs> sees me or my brother or my brother <laughs> from another mother every morning. Like right now, my brother is at Krispy Kreme here in San Dimas and he's buying the hundred dozens we're buying for today. Every morning we go get them fresh. 
I put in my order at night, going the next day, just like you would. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> same so thing not, with the so Twinkies. So they're not complaining because they're getting paid. Yeah, retail. they're getting paid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the same thing with the Twinkies, and same thing with like the, the Nabisco Oreos. We're buying them from Costco. We buy them by the pallets, but we're going to Costco and picking them up. Do do you walk around the fair like the Godfather? Because I, I can't imagine I'd the fair. I'd kiss fairs. the ring. I'd kiss the ring. The fairs would be so terrified if you ever left. If you ever were like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. Because I feel like every news cycle, at least in the food part of fairs in California, revolves around you. And so do you... Do you have special say and leeway at the fairs? Do they help you? I'm curious. I, I actually have nothing special, and I don't feel that way at all. And I think we're all replaceable. I don't. I really don't. I mean, I know I've done a lot of good. I think I've done a lot of good. We've made a lot of money, for sure. But I do believe that we are all replaceable. So I don't think of myself as the Godfather, but I am proud of some of the fried stuff that we did, like when I fried that guy's shoe. I mean, how many guys on earth could say you fried a guy's shoe? I think there's one. Yeah, there's I one. We're sitting with them right now. This guy walks up to me and he says, can you fry my shoe? And he was wearing dress pants, a dress shirt, and a tie. He takes off one of his shoes, hands it to me, and, and I go, okay, let's do this, but we're going to throw away the oil and the batter and everything afterwards. So I dip his shoe in a big bucket of batter, dip, dropped it in the oil, fried it, looked great, looked like a shoe. <laughs> put, put it on a huge silver tray, put chocolate, powdered sugar, rainbow sprinkles on it. I give it to him. He walks outside my stand. In San Diego, there was about 300 people outside watching what's going on, gathered. He says, who wants to help me eat this? And these two ladies like ran towards him. They were taking bites of the edges of the shoe no. along with him. They actually bit the darn thing. And it was awesome. Those are some fried groupies right there. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you get down, you eat this shoe. <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah, that was really cool. Charlie, when you're in when you're in decade one of putting this business together, fairs are a seasonal thing. So I mean, were you heavily active 15, 18 hours a day for five months and then yeah. off the, before, before the restaurant, and I want to mention that, before the restaurant, what was that seasonality like? And going into a business, how aware of you were of the seasonal revenue as it relates to, we're selling when sales are, or when fairs are happening, but when fairs aren't happening, what do you do? What are so, you doing? So I have an, my oldest daughter is six. Prior to her, I did 18 fairs and festivals from February to November. So that I did this for 20 plus years. Give me that. What's that circuit? Okay. Houston <laughs> yeah. Livestock Rodeo Show, Oregon State Fair, Arizona State Fair, California State Fair, Ventura, Ventura County Fair. And I've did little hokey dokey spots like um, Petaluma, Marin County. Well, Marin County is a pretty cool place, but um, Boonville, Blythe. I actually did Blythe once. You guys even know where that is? Yeah, it's like somewhere it, in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I thought, I'll be honest with you, the last half of that list, I thought you were just making shit up. <laughs> no, no, really. There's a place called Gargerville. There's a place called Boonville. I, I did these For our little, listeners at Boonville, we love you. We love you, Boonville. We love you, we love you Boonville. I sold ice cream at Boonville and some other stuff. I don't know. I, here's the thing. 
I loved what I did, and I went across country with my trailer with a couple of guys, and we fried it and fried on everywhere. Okay. But then when I had the baby, when I met my wife and had my first baby, I thought, man, I can't be in Houston while we're trying to raise a kid in school and everything. So, so my wife and I made a deal together that we would get rid of a lot of those fares and just keep fares that are within two hours of home. So, so when it was the 10 months, the two months off were all spent very busy updating equipment, buying new equipment, um, working on the old trailers, fixing them up, buying new uniforms, creating new menus, having a shitload of fried fests. I'll tell you about, I'll tell you about fried fest. So fried fest I came up with after the Oreos where in my house, most normal folks in America has a barbecue in their backyard. <laughs> But in my house, we have a fryer, commercial fryer in the backyard, sitting right on the grass. <laughs> of course you do. Of I would course expect you nothing do. less. Yeah, if you didn't have a fryer in your backyard, I'd be a little <laughs> yeah. disappointed. Like a good old redneck, I got a fryer in the backyard. And long story short, I would invite neighbors, friends, family, and I would say, hey, come on down, guys. I got a 12-pack of beer, case of beer. We got the fryer on. I got a couple of different batters going. Bring whatever you want to fry. And they would all bring, sometimes they would bring fun things. Sometimes they'd bring like little Spider-Man figures or whatever. Oh. But everybody had an idea. <laughs> and, and we would fry and then we would vote. I call it my chicken mafia vote. So these people are all my chicken mafia. And we would vote at the end of the fry fest if anything we did was worthy of getting on the menu. And, and we would take notes. And, and I used to enjoy doing those fry fests. We used to have about four or five a year. Wow. But then when I got rid of all the fares and I had my baby, I found myself with not two months off, but about six months off. The other six months, we still did big fares and, and still all the other work, but I had six months off. So the first year, I traveled the world. I went everywhere. Ate my way through Italy, Spain, all the way to Colombia, everywhere. The second year... I stayed home and drank real good. I became a professional <laughs> drinker. <laughs> I built a bar and I saw how much Jack I could put down in six months. And me and Jack became really close. It was awesome. <laughs> and I had so much fun. <laughs> the third year, my wife says, you need to work. <laughs> Sounds like, but well, you got so, those two so years. So I found the restaurant. Yeah, so that's where the restaurant came in. Yeah, so the, on the third year, my wife and I said, let's open up a restaurant. And, and we could be at home in San Diego, close to the kids, working all year long, because I'm going to say this publicly, it is not cool for a grown man or a grown woman to not work six months a year. <laughs> go ahead, get your one year out of the way, your two years out of the way, but get it together after that and go get a job. I could not agree more. That's so funny, dude. Yeah, you cannot be off six months. You can get so much trouble in six months. Yeah. It's not even funny. Yeah, you can end up in Australia. You don't even know where you live anymore. Six months is too much time. So anyway, I opened the restaurant and I opened it as a hobby and never in my wildest dreams that I think I was going to put in 25 hours a day, not 15 hours oh, a day yeah. with this new restaurant. But I love every hour of it, even the 25th hour. That's a good, I mean, what's the difference between running the restaurant versus all your stands at the fair? Completely two different industries and completely different. I had to learn so much. So while, you know, we're the, we're, we're the champions of putting out, you know, a million pounds of chicken in a fair and a million pounds of oil, a million pounds of flour, all, all these crazy numbers. The restaurant is so different. The restaurant, 
I learned so much about the industry of food and how to really give quality along with the quantity. Mm. So the fair, while we shoot for quality, quantity is at the forefront. Wow. And, and you know, 100,000 people come to the fair that day and you get lines and you got to produce, you know, good food, but you got to produce. At the restaurant, you can't produce anything unless it's good because the person that's eating at your restaurant isn't going anywhere. Ooh. He's going to say, hey, I'm here. Here's my table. The food is not good. Give me my money back or fix this. And, and I'm not saying that's not the same at the fair. It is, but it's just different when you're sitting in your house at the restaurant and you're feeding them. You got to be on point. The food's got to be fresh. The presentation's got to be there on every dish. The quality's got to be right. So what I found is we're spending a lot of time learning, educating ourselves, training on how to put out a lot of dishes with the best quality, the best freshness, and all that. And I carried that over a few years ago into the fair. As my company grew at the fair, our quality grew. Because usually when you grow, the quality goes down because you're putting out more and you can only do so much. But I'm really proud of the fact that our compliments have been higher than ever with our highest numbers ever at the fairs. In the restaurant, I have a three and a half star, the one in Claremont and San Diego, and I'm striving for four. I think we're really close to a four star on Yelp. So that's my dream is to get a four star on Yelp someday. I love how much you've succeeded, but you still give a shit about the three and a half star <laughs> review that you have. Absolutely. So that's so what what you're employing 300 people, but I feel like you have your hand in everything. You're in all the social media. I mean, do you have a middle tier of management or is it you and then I, facing I 300 people a day? Basically, I love certain. So as my company grew and everything grew, there's certain sections of it that I really and truly enjoy. Like that's my favorite part of the day. I wake up so happy to go do the biggest one is to meet the people in the front. So like I enjoy so much to walk in the front and meet customers. Mm -hmm. And you know, Chicken Charlie, let's take a picture of this and that. I love that. Mm -hmm. The second thing I like to do is I love to cook. And a lot of the food you'll see on my trailers and my restaurant in the pictures and in my social media are all food that I cooked. And all the pictures I took, I love photography. So long story short, that section of the company I truly enjoy. Um, there is so much more, though, to, yeah. you know, the close to $10 million a year. You've got 300 employees with, with all the stuff that come with that. The ordering of the semis and semis of products monthly, uh, the, the actual process of, you know, you got to cut, wash, cut, dice, slice, and dip and fry or grill. When you're selling you know, that kind of dollars and you're doing five to $15 per item, you're going through a lot of stuff. Yeah. And that's, that. it's a challenge to me. I really enjoy, I really enjoy um, to challenge myself to see how I could do this and still keep my star rating, still keep my sanity and do a great job for the employee and for the customer. That's what keeps me going. I, I re it's like a challenge to myself and I love that. But 18 hours a day is easy. I don't think it's easy. And no, no, I mean, yeah, it's no, easy and, and, at least 18 hours. Well, because yeah. you, no you have a personality that I think can attack that day no matter how long it is. And that's something uh, is a, that's just pure amazing to me. Working the fair is hard. And 
I say that because I've worked a fair. I It's awesome. It's it's an amazing energy, but it's hard it's just hard work. A uh, majority of these fairs are during the hottest times of the year. Yes. And I'm not at a I wasn't I work for Surf City Smoothies at the LA Fair. So I'm not doing I'm not next to a grill. I'm not next to a fryer. I had a foot, cool I, had a, I had a footprint the <laughs> s- size of this conference table. So it's not the same. But just the logistics around getting your core ingredients to your station and then presenting it in a fashion that someone should pay a premium for because they're at the fair was something that was real. I slept well those nights because it was just a lot of hard work. And my question to you, Charlie, is is the fair the future because I know how hard that work is or is the restaurant the future because as much as it's a different beast, can you control more at the restaurant? Do you have less pressure to constantly innovate because you have that high quality? And as you're getting older, do you want to be working 18-hour days at the fair? Because that's just a hard day. And yeah. you know you have my respect. Well, how, like, How long do you want to do that? Well, thank God my blood sugar is good and my heart is pounding good. So I'll keep doing it as long as the doctor <laughs> says I'm not going to die. But, but I mean, to answer you, I don't mind doing it forever and always. I don't think... I don't really plan on slowing down. But here's the thing. I have a silly dream. So the restaurant that I have in, in Claremont, we're, we're about to celebrate next month our fourth year. And we're doing great. In November, I'm opening my second restaurant in San Diego. So someday, it's my dream to have a restaurant in Las Vegas. And I would love, and many chains have started in San Diego, including Jack in the Box. Mm-hmm. Now, I would love to have a chain, but my ultimate dream would be to have a restaurant in Las Vegas, maybe at Caesar's Palace or sit next to Gordon Ramsay someday, one of my heroes. So, Chelsea, Caesar's Palace, yep. are you listening? Kara, <laughs> MGM, are you listening? I love, it. I love it. This guy wants a restaurant on the Strip. <laughs> yes. Um, I, think, I think that the fairs is a completely different situation the fit what i love about the fair as as a worker when you work the fair there's an end date so there's something that happens to us when we know like july 4th it's over so you go on this train and it's a roller coaster ride i can't even describe from every angle of your body but then you just know in the back of your head july 4th it's over but of course with my case july 4th it's over san Diego county fair is over and then July twelfth, uh, we're opening the Orange County Fair. So I've got another roller coaster to ride between tearing down that fair, moving everyone and all the equipment, and everything, setting up at Orange County, and reopening on July twelfth. But October fourteenth is the end of my season. I honestly believe that that's what keeps me going because I know there's an end date. Whereas the restaurant, you gotta really love it, and you gotta be involved with it, and you gotta love your every day because there's no end to it that's actually the same response i get from teachers i was like you guys have such a challenging job all year working with kids how do you keep it going well they also have an end date right every year they get summer vacation if you know if that's a luxury to them so it's funny to hear it built up like that i have a lot of because i'm a huge fan of fairs and theme parks and all that adventureland's like one of my favorite movies is 
does that team travel with you to every, does those 300-ish employees, do they travel location, location, or do you know, is that part of the process, finding people in every location? So, so I'll, I'll share with you, I have 60 uh, H-2B visas, federally approved employees mm-hmm. that we get because our company is seasonal and it's really hard to find all the numbers that we need. So we have we have a little help from the government there. Oh, cool. Yeah. So we get these visas allowed after we go through a process and when we're approved we go we get these employees from around the world and we house them we take care of them and they're Where do the they nuts. stay they stay at the campground with us with our family i have 11 bunk houses slash rvs slash motorhomes and we move those we're a total of Chicken Charlie's is a total of 27 trailers when we move from city to city, but the public only sees four or five, depending on the city we're in. But those those trailers are bunk houses, RVs, uh, uh, storage trailers, refrigerated trailers, stock trailers, and and that's what makes the front that the public sees. Do you guys rage? Like what do you? <laughs> I just can't imagine. You're it like your so own mini hard. community, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. Little, it is, it's the fair community is a small community. It's actually really cool. It's amazing. It's fun. I I, I, I couldn't believe. I was watching this Elvis Presley movie where he was traveling with the circus when I was a single digit person, <laughs> and and I told myself, how cool would it be to live that life? And I can't believe I'm living that life. Yeah. You know, you're traveling. Of course, we don't have elephants traveling down the road with us, but we have all our you know people and RVs and all that. We're going from city to city. It's a lot of fun. So, so we have our 60 people that we house regularly from outside the United States, and we have about 30 from the United States. So there's about 90 that we take care of. And then the other couple hundred people we find at each city we go to. So at the San Diego Fair, we hired a couple hundred plus. Orange County Fair, a different couple hundred plus. And, and at LA, the same thing, because those are what we call our locals. So they're not going to, you know, if you're a kid that lives in Orange County, you're not going to go to San Diego to work that fair because it's too far for you. So and we need those employees. We need those numbers. So at each big city, we have about roughly 300 employees made up of different types of employees. And that means your training has to be on point, right? Because you're oh, literally yeah. going from we are constantly hundreds training. of new people every couple of months during your season. That's just how I mean. We have. I, I'm having nightmares right now. As we speak, about it. my brother is at Starbucks hiring 19 new people today on the fifth day of the LA County Fair to replace the 10 to 15 people that left us the first weekend of the fair. And so we're constantly hiring. We're constantly training. We have a whole team of managers, about 10, 15 managers that are just hiring and training nonstop. It just doesn't. Is end. that turnover normal? They say like, oh, um, or is we'll that just lo- weird? We'll, we'll lose at the beginning of a fair. We'll lose about 20, 25 people out of 300 because it's not for them or they just, you know, they didn't know what they were getting into or or, or maybe some other stuff happens that they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Like they're not about that carny life. Is carny culture a thing? Like, you're, so you know what you get when you get 18 carnies together? What? A full set of teeth. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> That's an old joke. <laughs> I knew you had some carny stuff up your sleeve. No, you know what? The carny, the carnies of today are different than the carnies of the seventies and eighties. It's not the same anymore. RCS is Ray Kamek shows at the fairs I do. They're an amazing family, and they have some of the four best equipment, best employees, best uniforms. Best, best of everything in the world. They're like the best carnival on earth. And I know RC. I know what RCS is, but for the readers who don't know what RCS is, 
Yeah, what is t- that? T- who, who is that? What do they do? What is RCS? They're a huge part of the fair. I mean, they're the people who put together the carnival part of it, the carnival rides and the carnival games. They'll have some food stands in their area. Um, but, you know, all the rides and all the games is... They, they say that the food is the number one attraction of the fair. I'm going to guess maybe the carnival is probably the second. Oh, yeah. So okay. it's a huge part of the fair. And without them, I don't think it would be a fair. Absolutely not. I mean, you can't see it from the you can't see the food from the freeway. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? That's so exactly right. That's that's what's and beautiful lights, about it. Yeah. yeah, that's what's magical about it. What's the what's the ride where you get strapped into a cage? Oh, the death trap. And the, yeah, the death <laughs> trap. And it you flip while it's while it's going in a circle. Oh my god! I will but not get on that one. I don't remember what it's called, but. Zipper? It's meant oh. for really small people. Oh, and it is the zipper. Yeah. The it zipper. The, zipper, the zipper, like zipper is definitely what it is. Yeah. And the last time I went on the zipper, <laughs> it 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 feels like the you're locked in so tight when they shut like the gate and whatever strapped into my legs. Do you feel like you're like, in the back of a police car? I just no. It's worse. Like you're not in a you're not in a car. You're constricted, and I'm like worried about blood flow oh. while I'm flipping around. It's uh, in short, it's amazing. We Charlie, I feel like you I've probably never the, done that. <laughs> you probably know the president of RCS. So guys, now we are, we've now established what RCS is. They put on the the carnival rides and fun amusements there. Do you think it's part of their plan to make the rides feel like you're gonna die? Like <laughs> it feels like it's going to come part apart the at thrill. the top. Like no, there hasn't I, been a serious. You know, knock on wood. Knock on wood. Uh, yeah, no, no, no one's they, getting they hurt. They have the best rides, and and I don't know about the feel of what you're describing because I am scared of heights. And so I can't do that, but um, but but if I can compare it to the time I was in the back of a police car, it probably is the same. No, Whoa! What is <laughs> no, long story short, I, I've never I I've never been in trouble, but I think they have the best equipment that this world has to offer. They're the best carnival, and their carnies, if you will, are probably some of the best looking people on earth. I don't know where they found them, but they're amazing. <laughs> so going against the stereotype. Yeah, yeah, of, of what people old, imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the old days, you know, they used to have carnies that worked the rides that were probably running away from the law or whatever, found themselves at fairs. But that's not the case anymore. That's not how the fair is anymore. Well, now you have a lot of international folks coming that's in to right. just look for fun opportunity. Look, yep. Yeah, and so that's that's cool. It's, I kind of see yeah. the same momentum and magic like on cruise ships, right? Like there's yeah, like exactly. family it's mentality. The same, it's the same H two B. It's the same exact thing. Yeah. yeah. And they're all, they all seem extremely happy. Very educated. Right. Yeah, educated, good-looking, yeah. Yeah. So Chicken Charlie sets the tone. That's our opinion from a food beast perspective. Every fair that we go to in California, you set the tone. What's your relationship like with the other vendors? And I'm curious because a couple of reasons. Because you set a high bar, especially as it relates to headlines, virality, things that are off kilter and people are excited about you then see the stand next to you and the stand next to that start serving things that are in you know in that lane what's your relationship like with your with your compatriots of the of the food vending world i want to be honest with my answer on this one so you know i have the utmost respect for my industry and my compadres and my competitors if you will we have a great competition healthy healthy uh exciting fun competition going on every once in a while there'll be a person that 
maybe a little older, doesn't want to invest the money, doesn't want to do much, and they kind of get mad at me because I'm maybe building the 40-plus feet trailer, you know, Mm -hmm. or the crazy LED signs. But for the most part, I want to say most of us have a healthy competitive edge to us, and we're doing a great job in that aspect. So, you know, I come up with something new. The guy next to me comes up with something different, and... At the end of the day, it makes the fair what it is. It makes it's got to be good for you guys overall. The competition like is positive. good. I yeah. mean, I mean, I love to see uh, McDonald's, Burger King, and Taco Bell all on the three corners of a corner. You know, I, I, I like that. So, not everybody wants deep fried Oreos. I, I think they should, but not everybody <laughs> does. And so, and so, sometimes you know, you may want you know a, a cinnamon. I love cinnamon rolls. So, like the guy, for example, sells cinnamon rolls. It's a what's the word it's a staple at the fair it's mm-hmm. about as old and as amazing as amazing can be it's one of my favorites you know the tasty chip place uh there's a couple of stands that they have they put out an amazing burger but the, their tasty chips are killer so even though they're competitors of mine i go eat there all the time the hot dog on a stick people i always brag to my friends and family when you go to a fair a corn dog is a must like I don't know, it's just it, mm-hmm. it. It's like the same as the word fair. You gotta have a corn dog at a fair, and, and it's not like the other corn dogs you get anywhere else. Not at mall. I don't know. I don't think it's. Just, it goes back to that first thing we talked about. What what it feels like to walk through the gates of a fair. How it changes you. The food there, when you eat a corn dog there, it tastes so much better than any corn dog anywhere else. Well, your inhibitions go down. It's so weird. I, th- yeah. I love feeling like that when you go into a fair because on a normal day i'm not going down the street and buying deep fried oreos i'm just not but that's it's right. so normal it's so normal for me to walk right through the gates grab two beers deep go fried to, dirt go to yeah <laughs> i will buy deep fried dirt <laughs> from chicken charlie at the fair but i'm not going to do that on a normal day that's on a right. tuesday that's not right. doing that in the restaurant world you're seeing this group of young entrepreneurship where the new restaurant on the block that's getting a dope review is a chef owner that's 27. Uh, or there's, you see this in Orange County a lot where it's a, a group of three Asian Americans coming from a business background, IT background, and they open up a restaurant. I've never seen millennial entrepreneurship as it relates to the fair. Are you seeing any of that or is it, hard to get into because of the various relationships and infrastructure that you have to build to even participate on the scale that you participate in. So the, the latter part of that, I think a lot of the people that are there, uh, been there a long time and they all have families and, and a lot of their kids like me, I'm, I'm a first generation fair person, but a lot of my friends are second, third and fourth generation. And as a matter of fact, um, I was at a meeting the other day at the L.A. County Fair the day before the fair opened where one young fella that looked like he was in his 30s, um, his great-grandpa gave the business to his you know, grandpa and down to his dad. Now he has it, and it's been there a long, long time, and they do you know, amazing product. They put out a hell of a product. So I don't know why there isn't a lot of new blood in the fair industry, but the first part, what you're talking about in the restaurant world, when you see new 27-year-old millennial entrepreneurs cooking, opening up restaurants, doing, I see the videos all the time. I love that. 
I mean, I absolutely love that. And and that's a really cool direction that our country is going in, especially Southern California. I, I don't know about some of the other parts of the country, but I know you see it really good in Orange County and San Diego and L.A. And I love to see people succeed in the food industry, whether it's a restaurant or at a fair. And I love it when I watch other people's social media. So I do my own social media. I do my own videos, and I really enjoy making them. It's my favorite part of the day. But nothing turns me on more than to see other people's videos and their <laughs> ideas and what they're doing too. And, and sometimes I do get some ideas from those videos, and other times you know, I want to go to their place and eat the food. <laughs> and, and just like the other day, I was watching a video by this group, Puesto group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, and I ended up taking my wife there, went there, spent like, I don't know, 200 bucks, me, the wife, and the kids, because I saw these tortillas. And next thing you know, there's $200 right there. Well, talk about great success. This is awesome. I would have never known of Puesto or where they were. Yeah. Only because on my phone it just popped up. And I'm thinking, how cool is that? And, and I absolutely love making my own videos and sending my stuff out for my restaurant and fairs. But why is there not a lot of uh, young people going into the fair industry? I really don't know. It's not easy to get into the fair, but all the young entrepreneurs that are out there, I will tell you this. I've been in, I've been in it. This is my 35th year in the fair industry. So if you come up with an idea to sell pizza, hot dogs, or cinnamon rolls, it's not going to work. Because there's already 10 pizzas, 10 cinnamon rolls, and 10 hot dogs. You got to come up with a unique menu. And you got to come up with a cool trailer. It doesn't have to be like one of my trailers that's... Not, the last trailer I built was 975000 it doesn't. It, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't oh, have to be. You spent a, a million cool, you dollars. You spent a cool mill on a, yeah, on on a trailer. trailer. On a trailer. So it's called Pineapple Express. It's at the LA County Fair right now. It has two Las Vegas style LED screens on the front. It's got a production in the front of it that's killer. It's thirty feet wide without the wings. With the wings, it's forty two feet. It's about 40, 50 feet high. I don't even know how high it is. And it's got. It's actually two trailers because there's a kitchen behind that the public doesn't see that's attached to the front one. And you can walk through in between the two. It's got nine fryers, four ovens. It's it's obnoxious. I mean, can, I, I, can we ideate your next trailer? This sounds so much fun. Can you put a roller coaster on it? What are the yeah. rules? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know how like the carnival, they have their spectaculars. This is really, truly a spectacular. But what I'm saying is you don't need to spend a million dollars on a trailer. You don't need to maybe even have a trailer. But you have to have something that looks cool to the public where the food's coming out of. So you got to let your inner wild imagination come out. And maybe whether you're building a facade out of plywood or whether you're building a trailer, you have to think about that because that's what the fair wants. It wants a cool looking thing. When you and your family are walking by, you say, hey, look at that. You know, not just your typical $20,000 old trailer and you just put it together and selling corn dogs out of it. So if you come up with a really cool menu, you come up with a really cool place to sell out of and you contact the fairs and you try to get on that list or try to get into the fair, I'd say you have a pretty darn good shot at doing it. But if you're going to sell something that already exists at the fair, you're probably going to have a hell of a time getting in, mm. which is kind of cool that the fair protects its own. You know, if you came up with a really cool idea, you know, like my pineapple shells, and then somebody else says, oh, let me go in there and sell pineapple shells. Well, they shouldn't let them sell those because there's somebody already doing that. There's a particular charm to it. It's not always 
positive. We've heard the, the, we've heard the positive and negative of basically protecting the incumbents of of a fair, right? Like there's this idea that there's the classics that you want to protect. And if there was too much an open floodgate, like you ruin the classics. And yeah. the fair itself has this culture. It started off like as a kind of historical, like can you keep and talk to people about agriculture, introduce people to animals. And so that part of the fair is always really charming. So I, th- I can kind of see both ends. Sometimes it's like, ah, oh, man, I wish there was something wild. But what's cool is it's, it feels like you shine in that because you're like, all right, cool. Of the power players in here i'm the loudest i can create the most I innovate energy. the most yeah. right like I, I i love what i do I, there's nothing i've said this before there's nothing better than seeing people's faces when they walk up to my booth look at the item get their phone out take a picture call someone yell order one go nuts scream i mean it's <laughs> awesome you know I, i've seen it so many times it makes me feel so good I love what I do. I love giving the people something they've never had before. And I found my niche in that. I really enjoy that. Um, But like you were talking about, you know, whether it be the turkey races, the pig races, or or the 4-Hers. Like I have four little babies. I can't wait for them to grow up and raise some kind of an animal and try to sell it at the fair. I mean, I think that's just so cool. Like all the 4-H kids that do there, you know, at the auction. I think that's really cool. I'm a big part of that, and I love that as part of the fair. But I think that there's there's so many so much different parts of the fair. Like not any one really takes it. Even though the food is the main one, every time I'm at a fair, there's always something different that grabs me, and that's what makes it so beautiful. It all has to come together to be perfect. I think there has to be the food. There has to be the the rides, attractions. Yeah, animals, music. Can we go back to this trailer for one hot second? <laughs> it's a million dollar trailer. What is that process even like? You guys were, t- I haven't e- heard he one wanted- thing you said over the past five minutes. I've been thinking about what the process <laughs> of getting a million dollar trailer with nine deep fryers and four ovens and 40 feet wide with the wings. Did you, he- did anyone else hear that? I heard it. Here's the thing. <laughs> I think Charlie wanted to be in Vegas so bad, but was yes. like, I still, I have this two hour limit with my wife that the rule is I have to be- do stuff within two hours. Charlie's been to Vegas a couple times and was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to bring Vegas to the fairs here I in California. Have said it any better. That's right, right? And so yeah. you're like, cool, a casino costs a lot of money. <laughs> That's right. I think you have to get a couple investors this might be yeah. a cool billion dollars yeah. i might have a million dollars stashed <laughs> pineapples did really well this year well actually thank god for banks yeah <laughs> and the low interest rate but no i mean you know you're absolutely right i did it within my i mean i know million dollars sounds crazy but when you see the trailer i i, I want to say it dances because it's like las vegas i brought las vegas to the fair it's really cool now one of the biggest motivator for me with that LED screen on it is I get to make my own videos on my iPhone and I post them on that screen. And so when you guys come over, check out the videos that are on it. I made them myself. And tell Jeff them- about your tell Jeff about the commercials you want to run. So <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I don't uh, old school television is weird, but it works perfectly for Charlie's audience, right? Like he's he knows the time period it needs to run. Tell him about what you're doing. Yeah, so for for my restaurant in San Diego, I wanted to do commercials on TV cuz I see commercials all the time and about food and different 
places to eat. So I called Fox and I said, Fox and KUSI in San Diego. And I said, let's do some commercials. I want to be a partner. And they said, great. We, you know, I paid them so much money for so many hits a month for so many months a year. But I said, the thing is, I want to film my own commercials. And they said, okay, but it has to be like HD. It's got to be high quality. You got to do this, got to do that. So I said, okay. I said, well, what about if I just picked up my iPhone and took a selfie of myself in front of my restaurant and I said, hey guys, check this out. This is my new place. Come visit me. I'll be right here, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, okay, you could do that, but it has to be great quality. So now I'm out trying to find what that good quality is in the, in the photo world to try to do the commercial that way. <laughs> He's treating it like a feed. I love that. Like it's like, like, you know how like in, in you do something different on a, a Facebook news feed or an Instagram news feed to set it apart. So instead of just doing a traditional Charlie yeah. standing in front of his booth, like, come on down. Right, to the usually fire. you show yeah. the food and then you stand up, you say, come on down, and then you show the front of the building. It's very traditional. Yeah, the, the stuff that Charlie was showing me, literally what's being recorded is still the part where the phone's coming out of the pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, hey guys, Charlie, this is my feed. And that's what he sent over to a Fox <laughs> News affair. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm Beautiful. praying that these could be on the air in 2019 where I'm just like, let's pick up the phone right now and, and film a 15 second of us goofing off with a food in the middle and then let's show that on TV. Yeah, I like that it. That would be cool. I like it. That's very food beast of you, Charlie. That's yeah, I like it. Food beast. Yeah, it's just breaking up the mold. I like that. What What are you serving at the LA Fair? How long is the LA Fair and where can people go get it? So... You know, every year I try to come up with something new, and and I'm not gonna take credit for this. I did not invent this. The the chicken, the buffalo chicken with the mac and cheese and a waffle cone. I think there's a place in New York that's doing it and doing a great job of it. Um, but I put a little twist on it. I I made a red cone of it. Just a, I, I got a really cool looking uh, red cone with the yellow, pretty yellow mac and cheese. I got a picture right here. I don't I show know. it to the mic. Yeah, <laughs> Mike, Mike. Mike, here you go. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty. It's like yeah. we're looking at so, a bright red waffle cone. So that's yeah. buffalo, buffalo chicken. chicken. So it's buffalo chicken mac and cheese out of a waffle cone. And what's really cool is, uh, you know, waffle chicken and waffles. I think, if I'm not mistaken, started in Harlem back in the early 1900s, and and this is a spinoff of it. And I love the idea of buffalo chicken. Uh, with mac and cheese for some reason mm. those two together are just so friggin' good mm. and then and when you put it in a waffle cone it's perfect for the fair because i call it walk and talk food and, mm. and and so really cool presentation um the funny thing is we can barely keep up i have 12 waffle machines with about eight guys making waffles all day long and we could barely keep up i think we sold like i don't know two three thousand of them over opening weekend oh wow that's so amazing is, so this is a this is a menu it's, item smash. A smash. And it's also part, I dedicated it to be part of our Route 66 theme at the LA County Fair this year. So if you come to the LA County Fair, you could get almost a pound, if not more, of food plus a drink for $6.60. This cone with the buffalo chicken, mac and cheese, and a soda is $6.60, which is probably the that's cheapest cheap thing ever fair. came out of that's, yeah. yeah, that's, that's very cheap. cheap. Yeah, that's really cheap. That sorry, I, I, we're almost uh, we're doing good on time. But uh, I have a question: the thoughts that you have related to how items should look and how they perform, like you mentioned, the red cone, it's walk and talk. What do people not think of 
when it comes to producing these items and like what does well that we wouldn't expect like beautiful so i always think of quality first mm-hmm. because people are not stupid right we all work hard for our money so if you're gonna sell something for five bucks ten bucks twenty bucks it's gotta be good it's gotta taste first taste is first second to me is presentation because we eat with our eyes but i still pick taste first because if it doesn't taste good you're never gonna go back right. so taste presentation and then as an entrepreneur who's in food producing it so you can't say i want to do this this and dip that in that fry it or grill it or whatever and then put it out but it takes you an hour to produce one if you go to sell it and you have a line then the person who's waiting 45 minutes to get that item is going to be pissed it doesn't matter how good it looks it doesn't matter how good it tastes he's never going to get it so you gotta you gotta first make sure the quality is right the taste right the presentations i put a lot of focus on presentation because we really do eat with our eyes. And they're all free advertising for you. Like once once people walk away and like, can they walk away with the red cone? Where'd you get the red cone? Oh, absolutely. Like I, I believe, now I'm not saying I'm the guy who invented the honing out of the pineapple shell and putting food in it. I'm sure from Hawaii to many islands have done stuff like that throughout time. Mm-hmm. You're the first one I saw in California. But commercially, yeah. But commercially, I'm the first one to do it. And, and I've never seen it sold anywhere before. No one's ever sold that item. I think I'm the first guy to ever sell it. But kind of like when I invented deep fried ribs, this lady sends me a really nasty email. You didn't invent deep fried ribs. My grandpa was making them in the 40s. <laughs> well, I was like, okay, maybe your grandpa was making them at your home in the 40s, but he didn't produce them like I'm producing them and yeah. selling them, you know, like that. So that's how I think of that pineapple shell. But when I first honed that pineapple shell and put rice, pineapples, and chicken in it, and I showed it to my brothers, and I'm like, dude, look at this. They couldn't believe it. The presentation is killer. Yeah. And, and it's been one of our biggest successes. The cone, that's a great one. You know, you're mixing the yellow and the red together. We, we really do eat with our eyes. The presentation's got to be there. To this day, what's the best seller? Deep fried Oreos. Deep fried Oreos. Number to, one. Like, velocity-wise. People, velocity. To this day, people still buy because... Number one. Every stand, every fair, every year. Always. Because I'll be honest, when I go to your stand, I get the pineapple. Yeah. I get the pineapple, I do that's the grilled a, chicken, or I do the shrimp. probably the third, fourth bestseller. Got it. So it's yeah. not like, the, those aren't like the staple ones. Like no. The, the, the people still... So here's my number one seller, deep fried Oreos. My second bestseller is the kebabs. Grilled, mm. weirdly, not fried. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's a one pound skewer, fresh meat, chicken or beef, fresh vegetables, LA Times did a special on it years ago. They said it was 390 calories for the whole skewer. Go figure. So you could eat healthy at the fair if you choose to. But it is our our second best seller, the chicken and beef kebabs. And and uh, question for you, Charlie. Can you tell us how much oil and batter you go through? Oh, God. How much oil and batter <laughs> did we go through? Last year, in four months, we sold almost five semi-loads of oil. And, and I'll explain why. What, uh, what oh, the? Oh, sorry. Uh, what? Like when you say a semi load, that's yeah, on so the 20, back of a Mack truck. Pallets of sixty jugs of five gallon. Here's why, because <laughs> I have a rule in my company: every day oil gets taken out. Every single day. It doesn't matter how good, how bad, how what it goes. So we have new oil in our fryers every single morning, and and for that, it's a cost of about five semi loads of oil per summer, because when you're eating fried food. I feel like it's already against you a little. So you want to make sure like the food doesn't have weird flavors. The oil's not old. It's not going to look bad. So we start out with fresh oil and the food always tastes amazing because you have good, clean vegetable oil. 
that's that's a big one for me and then flour is the next one everything is dipped in batter so different kinds of flour for different batters couple of semi loads of flour oh my god yeah we've gone through some flour and oil in our days Jeez. you've seen the videos we do charlie i think the number one negative comment on videos is when someone sees something dipped in fryer oil that's black yes and I hate we that. and we don't have control over that per se and i don't Lazy. and i honestly and i honestly don't know the ramifications for fryer i just don't know but yeah. that comment just whenever someone sees it it just freak it definitely freaks yeah. people out yeah i'm going to talk now as a customer not as an entrepreneur or chicken charlie or doing the fried stuff but as a customer when you see that you you just it just doesn't look right so for those guys that are too cheap or too tired or don't want to change their oil change your oil even if you like gotta go way out of your way because what you could fry the coolest thing in dirty oil and you just ruined it. Taste wise. Taste wise, look wise, everything. I do the same thing that you just said. I see a video and the oil is black and I'm thinking, why in the heck are you putting that in there? You gotta have clean oil, period. If you're gonna fry, you gotta have clean oil. Do you, do you, does your quality, the, the level of, interest you take in your quality and food do you see other vendors at the fair you don't have to name any you're like man come on you're giving a bad name for all yeah, of us i honestly feel like and i'm not trying to be nice but this i think this is a true statement my fair vendors the fair competitors my compadres the, the all the ones at the fairs are the best of the best i don't think any of them would do such a thing sometimes you see these videos and i think it's just some weird taco shop in a weird place mm -hmm. and the guy just hasn't changed his oil in three weeks you know but all all the people at the fair i can safely tell you we take great pride and great care into how the food comes out appreciate I, it i got one more thing get it before, before we before we end we've talked to a couple of multi-generational restaurateurs and some of them had said that their their parents specifically didn't want them to continue the business because of they worked hard for a different type of future for their son or daughter is chick is chicken charlie's going to be multi-generational do you think do you envision I that i hope so yeah i hope so i brag around right now i have ava johnny abby and mason and ava she's the two-year-old and i think she's going to be the one to take it on she's like a mini me but but <laughs> but yeah i hope so and i'll tell you what you know the times are different i i know what you're talking about you know we because it's such hard work you want better things for your kids but there's nothing better than hard work. And there's nothing wrong with working a lot of hours in a day. It's healthy. It's great. It's America. It's what's going to get you great things. I don't like 4.30, 5.30 stuff. I don't like it when people say, you know, 4.30, I'm done. You know, you're not done until the job is done, in my opinion. That's how I think. But, but when you're self-employed. You know, when you, if you're working and, you know, your job is done at 5, you're done. But if you're self-employed, you don't get done at 5. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what I'm saying. It's okay to work. It's okay to put in all the hours. But this day and age, for the restaurant world that we're in, it's different than the way it was for our forefathers. It's not this, the social media aspect of it. Boy, if you got a niche and you can cook and you got some cool ideas, you could go far with just an iPhone. You can make all your videos right there and post them right there and do it all right there. Send it to Fox. Send, send it to Food Beast. <laughs> send it to, yeah, send them on over. That's right. <laughs> oh, man.
Well, thank you for tagging us and everything, Charlie. Thank you for you guys are uh, awesome. Thank you for doing what you do and taking an hour out of your eighteen hour day to come down to Orange County. This was my pleasure and I'm honored to be here. This is great. I'm you guys' biggest fan, man. This is great. Guys, go check out a million dollar trailer at the LA Fair. <laughs> I'm, I'm more interested in the trailer yeah. right now. I'm, I'm going to be there. I expect a personal tour. Get it. <laughs> Come on down. Thanks for coming, Charlie. Thanks, Thank Charlie. you for having me, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs>